from Relay FM. This is Upgrade episode 203, being posted in July 2018, but it was recorded June 20th, 2018. And it's brought to you by MailRoute, Boom 3D, and Anchor. This is the Upgrade Summer of, Summer fun, of fun, working on the iPad special. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Mike Hurley, summer continues to be fun on Upgrade. And it rolls on. Mm. And we thought to ourselves, we wanted to do a check-in about what it's like to work on the iPad. And we thought, if we're going to do this, we need to assemble the team. Like, the almost like the A-team of working on the iPad. So we have of us Serenity Caldwell. Hi, Serenity. Hi. I thought you were going to go Avengers there, but I actually like the A-team reference better. Yeah, I thought four people... You know, and also, having traveled with Federico Vitici, I know it can be pretty difficult to get him on planes. Hi, Federico. Hi. This is already so much fun. I can feel <laughs> the fun. I can feel the, the summer of fun. It's in summer, my... right? Everything's yeah. more fun in the summer. Yeah, you say to yourself, ooh, is that is that heat radiating out of there? No, it's fun. It's fun. fun. I'm feeling it's the fun, fun radiating. <laughs> yeah. Even the 100 degrees is all fun. It's 100 degrees of fun, in fact. Mm-hmm. We're going to start out with a hashtag Snell Talk question. Oh, boy. But for the first time, this Snell Talk question will be addressed to three people. Uh, and the question, it actually comes from me. Oh, boy. And, oh, and I want to know. Listener, listener, listener and, Mike, and creator, who's listening creator Mike. to you, uh, <laughs> wants to know what the first iPad you all owned was. So, Jason, what was your first <laughs> iPad? Were you in from the beginning? The one you personally owned? Yeah, I mean, I bought, I bought one. I bought one. I think because of the, the vagaries of it, um, I think I bought one and got one as a review unit, like the day they came out or the day before they came out. So I ended up with one that I had bought and I still have, it's actually within a couple of feet of me right now. And, uh, and I kept that. And, and, uh, so yeah, it w- I was, I was in from day one or day minus one, I think maybe technically. What about you, Ren? Ooh, I also had the very first iPad because immediately I thought to myself, <gasps> It's a Wacom tablet replacement, which it wasn't Wasn't. quite yet. (laughs) No, it was not in 2010, uh, but I wanted to dream and I wanted to dream big. Uh, And yeah, I bought the originally I bought the Wi-Fi only one uh, and I started taking it to uh, the work that I was doing at the time where I was working for a a friend's uh, webcomics T-shirt company. And so I started using it in lieu. We had this like little uh, little laptop that we were like carting uh, to do inventory and carting down like the rows of things. So I'm like, you know, it might might be fun. I'm just going to bring the iPad. I'm going to try to do the use the iPad for inventory uh, and then also make it play Netflix while folding t-shirts and uh my boss liked it so much that he's like oh man i think i'm gonna get one of those for inventory and i'm like at this point i think you know why don't i sell you mine and then i'll use that to get the one with 3g access so i like the reason why i tell the story is that i really only had that original ipad for about a month until i realized that it would be much more fun if i had a portable cellular network and so i basically fobbed it off for a slightly nicer one federico now, I know, uh, because I, I am a European, <laughs> that the original iPad, it came out in April um, in mm-hmm. the US, but I think was kind of like middle of May 2010 mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in Europe. We, did you have the original iPad? What do you think I did back then? I'm going to say I don't think you did. Oh, really? I wanted mm. to say that one of the first things I did, I actually bought two iPads because I was instructed by the editors of Macworld UK 
to literally just buy them an iPad and reship it <laughs> to them. And I, that was what I did on day one when those iPads arrived. One of the very first things I did was get an iPad, take it out of the box, put it in a different box and send it to Europe because everybody was mm. desperate to see it and they couldn't buy it yet. I had one of my old writers for Mac Stories buy one in the US and ship it to me <laughs> oh, the weekend, the weekend so, that it launched. Man, <laughs> your, your tendencies, they run far back, right? Yes. Because you still do this now <laughs> with all of this stuff. Like with the HomePod, I know you've had, you've had a couple smuggled in to you. Um, I, uh, I had the original one. Um, I ordered it. I was I was really excited about the original iPad and I was uh, I was pretty lucky in that it was coming out on like the Friday or whatever and mine got delivered to me on the Thursday night so whilst it may have been late I had a nice surprise as I was probably one of the first people in the UK to have an iPad because for whatever reason this was back when like I don't think Apple were as restrictive on the delivery companies as they are now that like mistakes like that could get made. I expect now mistakes like that do not get made as much if at all. Um, But I ended up with an uh, original iPad then too. But if we fast forward eight years and and I'm sure across this time, we've all, I think, uh, spoken about the fact that our love affair with the iPad has kind of has died off in places and come back in other places. I know that's been the way for me up until the iPad Pro was released, which I think changed a lot of the way we all work. So now I kind of wanted to get an idea as to where we all are now with our iPads. So I know that me and Jason, obviously we have spoken about this a bunch, but uh, what iPads do you use right now? I want to get a little, uh, I want to take an inventory amongst everyone. How many, which ones do they have LTE? What are their storage size? What iPads do you use? So I've got the um, iPad Pro 12.9 first generation I'm still using. Mm -hmm. That's the one I bought when the iPad Pro was announced. The 12.9 was, of course, the first iPad Pro. And I said, that's it. Plus, it was it helped that it was at the end of the year. And since I run my own business, like I do all of my like big expenses at the end of the year. That's like the perfect time to do it. So I was like, yeah. And so I maxed it out. I think it's is it 128. Is it 256? I, I, is it 512? I don't even know. It is the biggest one. So I never have to want for space. And it is uh, it is LTE which was a big, I wrote a thing about it, and I think we talked about it on an upgrade. I I decided to go for that uh, because I thought that having that flexibility would be helpful. And then for the first year or so, I didn't use the LTE basically at all. I had one of those T-Mobile sims that had a very small amount of data every month for free. And only about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, did I decide finally to just order a sim from AT&T, my cell provider, add it to my plan, pay the extra monthly fee, and just have it use the the data from my family cellular plan and best decision i could have possibly made because i use it all the time now with uh with cellular and i'm so happy that i that i did that tichia you live in the multi-pad lifestyle Uh, not anymore um so for the past year i used two ipads um because you convinced me to use the big ipad pro and the small one so i had the (laughs) 10.5 and the 12.9 but um few weeks ago um we had to sell the ipad that silvia was using uh because we came to an agreement that we had too many ipads in our in our house so too many ipads too many ipads (laughs) oh no um I was convinced to sell one of them. And because I wasn't using the 10.5 much anymore, um, 
I gave the 10.5 to Sylvia, so now she's using that. And um, my main iPad is the 12.9 second generation 256 LTE. Um, it's the one that I've been using since June last year, I guess it launched. Um, uh, yeah, it's also the iPad that bent last summer and I got a, <laughs> got a replacement unit. Mysteriously. From, mysteriously, I still don't know how it happened, but it happened. Right. And which, uh, which iPads are you using right now? Uh, so I am all in on the 10.5. Uh, it is beautiful, beautiful rose gold. Uh, and it's 512 and it's Wi-Fi and cellular. I basically, I went like full, full on top of the line, fancy pants, 10.5 inch. Uh, and I was kind of like Jason in that I used the 12.9 for a long time. Um, but, and I mean, it was my only computer for about a year, um, but when I decided to get my MacBook Pro and I, I went for that, I decided that I didn't want to give up the iPad lifestyle, um, but I also didn't want to carry around a 13-inch MacBook Pro and a 12-inch iPad. Uh, so the 10.5-inch I swapped to, and I feel like it's the it's the nice intermediary style. Um, and also, yeah, cellular all the way. I feel like I once after that fir- very first iPad I bought with cellular, I've never gone back. I said this pretty soon on and I stand by it. I think that the 10.5 is is cl- the closest to being the perfect iPad that there has ever been. Um, I, I use a 12.9 at home uh, because I kind of use it like it's my desktop computer or like it's my big computer. But that 10.5, it's just close enough that whenever I travel, whenever I'm outside of the home, I use my 10.5 inch iPad, which has cellular. But when I'm at home, I use my 12.9, which just has Wi-Fi. And I kind of treat them as like my two computers, my desktop and my laptop. That's that's kind of how I look at them now. Um, but the 12.9, it's currently in its current state it's it's too big and too heavy in my opinion for 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 easy travel when the 10.5 exists and it's wonderful and it's nice and compact but it gives you just enough of everything you know just a big enough screen and it's powerful enough and all that and i I really i really love it and that's why i continue to use and having constant use to ipads both sizes and i've been very happy with that for me i use the smart keyboard um, for both of them when I'm out and about. I have a slightly different setup for writing at home, which we're all going to talk about this writing at home setup in a minute. But I wanted to know if, uh, like, Ren, do you use any cases? Do you use, like, the sleeve or do you use, like, just a smart cover? Like, do you use any specific cases other than just a smart keyboard um, for your iPads? Yeah, I am, I am insistent on using a case mostly because I, I think I'm rougher with my iPad than I am maybe any other gadget except my iPhone okay. uh, in that it just gets thrown into bags and like generally bumped around. Um, so I have a full back case and front case on it. Um, for a long time when I was using the 9.7 and the 12.9, I had the Logitech Create, which in my opinion was one of the best keyboard cases out there, although it was a little bit heavy. Uh, and now, unfortunately, I have uh, Logitech's 10.5 inch version, which is kind of like a Microsoft Surface wannabe in that it has like a kickstand and it has a very loose keyboard that kind of snaps in with a, with a ribbon. Thing. I hate oh, that it's thing. so bad. And, yeah. you know, so just to give you an example, you know, we were at WWDC and the internet wasn't working. So I was switching to the LTE on my iPad to write. And here's Jason with his beautiful bridge keyboard <laughs> case. And here's me attempting to try and make this stupid thing 
sync balance on my lap and I revert to using my 13 inch MacBook Pro as a stand on my lap so that I can have a solid surface to type on for my iPad. (laughs) And it was just I'm like at this point, I'm realizing to myself, as much as I love the smart connector, I think I have to go the bridge lifestyle because the like, oh, God, it was just so awful. It's so awful. Or or just petition Logitech to bring back the create case. Uh, so, yeah, but I still use the darn case because uh, I don't have a bridge and there's nothing else that really protects it as well as the Logitech that I currently own. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at in my case world. We're doing an episode, you know, as iPad lovers talking about the iPad. So you would expect there to be an element in some places of shade being thrown at the Mac. From here to there, there will be no greater shade thrown than I used my MacBook as a stand to give me a level surface <laughs> for my iPad. I think that's about about as much as you could get. And uh, Jason, Ren mentioned the bridge keyboard, which I know you're a big fan of. Yeah, absolutely. That is my most common. It's not not the only, but it's the most common keyboard that I use because I can put it in my lap and and write. Writing on a table, some other kind of hard surface, there are lots of different options that work pretty well. I you know, I have a stand, I have I have other keyboards, I've got the canopy with a magic keyboard in it. I've got uh, you know, I've I use the smart cover in some cases. I've done that. A smart cover is good too. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be the bridge um, which they're doing a new version of, which they had some, um, as you know, Mike, quality issues with their previous mm. version. I got a good one, but they had a lot of bad ones uh, where their Bluetooth connectivity was bad. They've got a new version with apparently new Bluetooth connectivity that's coming out um, this month, in fact, in July. And I hope that uh, that uh, it's good. I can't wait to try it out. But I, the one that I've got is great. It basically lets me drop, it, drop my iPad in and it turns into a laptop. And it, it doesn't need to be on on a table to get stability it can just sit in my lap and it works great and federico you use one too right yes i finally after two three attempts maybe i got a working bridge keyboard for my 12.9 that's the keyboard i've been using for the past five six months i used to have all kinds of keyboards before i used for uh last summer i believe i wrote my ios 11 review using the canopy uh by studio neat with the magic keyboard then i moved to the razor uh keyboard for the ipad pro which i kind of liked but the case was terrible and eventually broke um the keyboard was pretty decent, though. Uh, and then I discovered the, the bridge keyboard, and I tried to buy one. It didn't work. I sent it back. I got another one. It didn't work. I sent it back. And I got the third one, and it worked. That so was my trick. The, the same thing. Mike, Mike, I think, gave up after two tries. It's that third time was the mm-hmm. charm. But I hope this is yeah. fixed this month with the new version. Yeah. So uh, I... I really like it because it lets me get work done in a bunch of different places, including car seats and planes and coffee tables, restaurant tables, everywhere. Uh, it's it's good for everywhere. Kind of like a laptop, go figure. So, yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine such a technology. Imagine that. <laughs> um, so for the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about uh, three main subject areas about working on the iPad, like running a business from an iPad, writing from an iPad, and being creative so using art and video and other types of creative means on the ipad and what it what it what type of apps we use and kind of the benefits and challenges of each but before we do um i believe that the pioneer of ipad productivity mr federico vatici has an opening statement that he would like to share with the group 
an opening statement. You make it sound mm-hmm. so official. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the, I think I've shared this story before and I think it's, it's useful for context maybe. And it's also, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to, to think about now. Um, so uh, a few years ago, I was stuck in a hospital going through cancer treatments and I couldn't use my MacBook Air. At the time I was a Mac user, I had a 20, uh, was the 2011 MacBook Air, the 13 inch one. Uh, that was my main computer back then, but I couldn't use it because there was no Wi-Fi in the hospital and I needed to get work done to distract myself and also to keep running the business. So instead I tried to get work done on, a, on an iPad. And in 2011, so what was the iPad back then? The iPad... Two, two probably yeah it was before the ipad 3 launched um and from my ipad at the time um i basically i spent the first couple of weeks just going crazy trying to find apps that would allow me to communicate with people and get work done and publish articles on wordpress uh the, the situation on the ipad at the time was really sad and dire there was no split view no multitasking no drag and drop uh it was really it was it was really complicated uh but eventually i kind of got into the rhythm of trying to make the best out of the limitations of ios and enjoy what ios offered uh which was a rich selection of apps um uh and so over time i kept working on the ipad even when i was done with the hospital stuff and i was back home i kept using the ipad and over time i just realized that i enjoyed working on ios more than i did on the mac um and the the fact that i sort of had to work on the ipad initially eventually be- became I like working on the iPad more than using my MacBook. And so in the past, over the past six years, at this point, uh, I've kept using the iPad. I still have a MacBook because that's where I need to do podcasts every week. But otherwise, um, I the iPad fits my lifestyle and my habits and my routine better than a MacBook. So I love the fact that there's more innovation happening on, on iOS, on the iOS app store. And Apple kind of seems to think the same if, you know, iPad apps are coming to the Mac. Um, but I think overall the, the, the recurring theme of the iPad is that it has, a, it has allowed me to work and to get work done and to be in touch with people in places where it wouldn't have been possible otherwise um it's got apps that i cannot find anywhere else and it allows me to work faster better and with more fun which is the theme of this episode it's all about fun Mm. and working on the ipad so there you go that's my opening statement mike is that a is that an okay statement does it work okay yeah Awesome. We've we got to give you your time. You know, you got to say your thing. And I appreciate it. Because it is a good way of framing it. Because I think there's a lot of criticism that is levied at people that choose to use iOS for work, right? The, mm-hmm. And we're going to go through, we will definitely address some of this stuff when we're talking about the challenges of these things. But there is an element of the fun side of it, which I think is is abundant in iOS, you know, about how it can be more fun to do some of these things in ways that aren't necessarily the fastest you know or they might not be the most efficient but in places but it adds a level of fun and character in using ios that that can make a lot of these tasks more enjoyable yep 
So, uh, in the spirit of the summer of fun, we're going to turn everything on its head, and we're going to take our first break. And Jason, would you like to, to tell everyone about our first sponsor today? Why, yes, I would, Mike. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by MailRoute, the leaders in email protection. Do you know who should handle your email security and delivery? People who only do email, and that is MailRoute. In 1997, MailRoute's founder, Thomas Johnson, turned a problem into an industry He was working as an IT consultant and giving away free mailboxes with hosted domains and immediately noticed his time was spent managing free mailboxes because there were so many malicious spammers, virus senders trying to reach those mailboxes. And he realized that if he didn't solve this problem, he would be personally managing these mailboxes for the rest of his life. And that's how hosted email protection was born. MailRoute's team has continued to focus on safe delivery of your clean email since 1997. It solves problems and saves money for IT departments because they understand email is the lifeline of your business. MailRoute protects your email from spam and viruses and guarantees mail access during outages. And that's it. That's all they do. Email. They do it better and have been doing it longer than anyone else. I've been using MailRoute for quite a while. Among the many things it does is it sends me a little message in email saying, here's what we filtered. And usually it's a list of spam. Occasionally something good will be in there. And with one click, I can deliver it and whitelist that sender and they'll never be filtered again. But it also lets me check up on the hot new subject lines in spam. For example, this week, I would like to tell you about two of my favorite spam subject lines that I received in the last week. Quick wall, in all caps, 10-foot advertising wall for your business. I need to convince my wife that on the side of our house, we just need to put a big upgrade logo, 10 feet. 10 feet. Just, why not? It sounds good. I'll have to click through on that one. And also, this was a good one. Winning prize, in all caps. Hmm, maybe I won something. I didn't enter, but who knows? Maybe I won. Anyway, stop spam today with a 30-day free trial. Go to MailRoute.net and use the promo code UPGRADE. Listeners of the show will get 10% off for the lifetime of their account. Thank you to MailRoute for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, so let's talk about running a business from an iPad. And this is, I think, one that... I think about the most, you know, I, I, my, most of my work is creative work, but the actual creation, so the recording and editing of podcasts for me always happens on a Mac. So everything else for me is like preparation for podcasts, which we'll talk about a little later on. And all of the other stuff is running my business. And I think I want to give a a brief outline of some of the applications that I use to do that. Um, And then we can talk some in a bit more detail about some of the practicalities of stuff. So I think that anybody these days that has any kind of collaborative business uses the Google Docs and Sheets ecosystem. Like it just feels like at this point, they are so far and away, you know, the best for collaboration of this stuff that it's just what everybody uses. And even though they can be very frustrating at Google in the way that they treat the iPad development in that... Every time, you know they're going to add the new features, but how long is it going to take them? And it feels like that time frame is stretching longer and longer as as we go forward. You know, it's like, oh, it'll take three months for this feature, and then the year, next year later, it's five months for the new features. But by and large, they do get there to as much as they ever will. I think we're still at the point, I think, right now where you can just drag in to Google Docs. You can't drag 
out of Google Docs. But such is life. They work. And to be honest, the, the collaboration, the collaborative underpinnings of the Google Drive suite of applications cannot be denied. And everybody's on it. Everybody uses it. And it always works really well. There are other applications that exist. You know, bless them. Apple have collaboration features in, in sheets and, and, and in, uh, in numbers and in pages. It may work okay but they're just not as fast and they're not as full-featured. So that's why I continue to keep using the Google stuff. Although, you know, some those Google apps are not, like, having used Numbers a bit and Excel also on iOS, like, mm-hmm. Google Sheets isn't good. No, it's, it's not. It's not good. Like, I use Numbers <laughs> and Excel for local stuff, but for anything shared, yeah. Sheets is better. It's true. Right? It's not the quality of the application. It's the technology that's behind it all. Um, and every time I've tried to do any kind of sharing with basically anything else other than Google Sheets, some kind of problems arise, you know, and, and Google Sheets is is rock solid. And that's why all of our spreadsheets at RelayFM are shared that way. But if it's local stuff, you know, if I'm if I'm working out a proposal for a comp for a sponsor or I'm doing stuff for my accountant, I always use either numbers or Excel for that. Um, but when it comes to collaboration, Google Docs and Google Sheets they're number one, and and I don't see that changing for a long time because it's a it's a good it's a good part of Google's business. I think um, for task management, I use Todoist. I've I've flirted with Federico's beloved Things many times, mm-hmm. um, and and again, like Things is a way more iPady app, you know. But Todoist has a lot of features which are very specific to it that I really like and I've built my workflows around it. You know, like I'm I am this kind of weird person in a way that I use some of my devices in the sense that I also use Chrome on iOS. Um because I like the fact that I well because I use Chrome on my Mac because I use Google Docs so much and Chrome works way better. That and I don't like to run multiple web browsers, so then I end up using Chrome on iOS to sync all of my history together. Um so I kind of you know, I I love iOS, but I don't necessarily feel bound by just what Apple makes or even what is the most iOS-y of a thing. You know, like Things, Things 3, is real. it follows so many interesting conventions and it's such a really, really interesting app. But there's just some stuff that it doesn't have or some things that it does in peculiar ways that, that kind of keeps me away from it. Um, two tools that I use a lot for, uh, for running the sales side of my business is Spark 2 and an app called Pipedrive. Um, nobody ever knows about Pipedrive unless they've heard me talk about Pipedrive. Pipedrive is a sales management and uh, contact management database tool. Um, it is the most... Sounds so professional. <laughs> it is the most professional sounding of any application that I use. Um, but... My business is built upon deals being made, right? Like we make deals with companies for sponsorship. And we tried tracking it in Trello for a long time. And Trello just ended up kind of breaking down on us. Or like we could have the deals being tracked in Trello, but when we needed to start sharing contact information, there wasn't a good way to do that. But a CRM tool like Pipedrive allows us to 
have all of our deals and, and, and we can track how they are in, in the progress and then also attach contact information for the people that we're working with at the companies. And, and that helps keep that all in one cohesive place, which is really important for us. Um, when we were looking at a tool um, and I had our sales assistant look for it, I was like, the, the key thing that I care about is a good iOS app. And it has a very good iOS app, um, including one of my favorite little tactic into like uh, interactions on my iPhone. Um, when when you win a deal, you press a little button that says one, and it has this nice little taptic, like as like as a button going in and out. And I love that. I love that little feeling because it's a good feeling when you can say you've won a deal, and it's even nicer when it's enforced with a little taptic. Um, and we use Spark. We use Spark too for its email sharing features. That's that's really great for us because we can have conversations inside of the email. That's just for us to see. And that's really useful if like, so say for example, our assistant is doing a deal and and she wants my advice on something. She can share the email with me, ask me a question. I can answer it back and then she can take it on and go with it. Of course, we use Slack like every business on the planet does these days. But being able to talk about email inside of the email is really good. Now, I can come back into talking about apps that everybody else knows when I talk about Fantastical. Um... Do you, what calendar application do you use, Federico, right now? Uh, this is a whole conversation. I use, <laughs> um, on my iPad, I have the Apple one. Just because the, the I use Week Calendar yeah. on my iPhone, the iPad version of Week Calendar isn't that great. Would um, you say it's weak? It's, it's, <laughs> yes, I would say that. Um that's the terrible pun. Like, Come uh, on. So bad. Um, I use the Apple one. I don't love it. I use the calendar more on my phone uh, because the weekly view on my phone is excellent. And I'm surprised that Apple still hasn't copied that feature. Um, so I don't do much calendaring on my iPad. I do it on the phone because there's a client that I prefer. But when I do on my iPad, the month view in the Apple calendar one is... I would say on a teaching scale is decent. Um, mm-hmm. It wor- it gets the job done barely. Uh, at least it's got the the date on the icon, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Uh, Jason, what do you use for calendaring? Uh, I have it's a whole story, Mike. Um, because on my iPhone, I use Fantastical, but I don't think Fantastical is very good on iPad either. It's funny that it Federico and it I isn't. are using using different calendar <laughs> apps, but have the same thing. So I'm using Apple's calendar on the iPad, even though I'm using Fantastical on my iPhone because I don't like Fantastical's view on iPad. <laughs> no, I typically just run Fantastical in the iPhone-sized view on my iPad. <laughs> well, that solves that problem. That's how I do it, too. That's, yeah. that's how I solve it. That's a way to do it. <laughs> I never use calendar apps in full screen. I'm almost always it. having them yeah. Yeah, split screen with something else. So usually I actually have Fantastical in slide over. I don't even mm-hmm. make it a full thing. It's just Same. like it's always there so I can add new things. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but like there just doesn't seem to be that many applications that can understand how to like effectively lay out a monthly calendar. Like Fantastical basically tries to have three views at once and it's like, what am I looking at? But, but Rent, you, do you use, so you're just, you don't use anything else other than Fantastical like me, right? Just in the, in the split view, you don't have like a magical month view calendar app that you're hiding from us? No, no, I, I use Fantastical primarily. If I want to, I don't know. I just, I, I'm also terrible in that I don't really use calendars. I use calendars for like the big things, uh, but I'm much more into the like 
to-do style list that has mm-hmm. dates attached. And so I've actually gotten really into using agenda in the last mm. month or two. Huh, really? See, I, mm. I, every time I think I've heard you say that to someone, Ren, I hear someone go, huh, really? Because yeah. everyone that I know that's tried to, like, I can't get my head around agenda. Agenda is an application which is notes and calendar combined, right? Yeah. What do you like about it? Because I, I feel like my, at least my kind of way of thinking doesn't match with the, what the application is trying to do. I think that's it. You really do have to kind of re-challenge your brain into mm-hmm. how it all works. Um, what I've found that I really like about Agenda is that I can have all of these separate little folders that have their own separate timelines as to stuff that I'm doing. Um, and I can create notes that are specifically tagged to a time, right? So like I'll create, for instance, uh, taking this Google Doc that we've put together for our summer of fun working on the iPad, I'll have a note that is scheduled on June 20th And then I make the note at the very top that it's like, it's at this time. And here's all the information that you need to know about it. Uh, And then I also have like, I do a weekly uh, update for the higher ups who run iMore on like what we've done at iMore this week. And I have um, just a reoccurring note that pops up and allows me to fill all of that stuff in. I don't use agenda for everything. Like I definitely, I use, I still use notes for a lot of my writing related stuff. Um, But when it comes to podcast episodes or derby practices or basically anything that I need to write something with in addition to an in addition to a date I use agenda almost exclusively and it's it definitely takes some getting used to though like I I was lucky enough that I was testing it for iMore uh, so I spent a good like two weeks really trying to dig right. into it and figure out how it works and that I think you really well when you're talking about your productivity in general uh, let alone productivity on the iPad uh, when you're trying to learn a whole new way of doing things you really have to give yourself the time because there were moments where I was just like, oh, this is annoying. And then as soon as I figured out how to kind of make it work with my workflow, it was fine. It was just the it's the initial it's the initial like stubbing your toe being like, why is that rock there before you realize, oh, maybe I should step over the rock. <laughs> maybe the rock maybe the rock is there for a good reason. I think that's interesting because like I, I know for me and for a couple of people I've spoke to, they basically just bounce straight off it. But because you were testing it. If you're writing or if you're reviewing it or you're testing it for the site, and I'm sure you both actually can, like all all three of you can relate to this. You kind of have to dig in. Where like I am just like I'm done and I'm I'm out of there, right? Because I don't write reviews or anything like that. So it just didn't work for me for whatever reason, and I didn't bother sticking with it. Um, but but yeah, it's interesting to hear that actually. When it comes to apps in general, uh, that are very different than what you might be used to. I really like I'm a full proponent of you have to give it like two weeks and you have to force yourself to use it just that app for two weeks. Like you can't go running back to your old thing. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of how it comes with working on the iPad in general, because I feel like if all of us had just been like, you know, if if someone had been able to give you Federico a, a, a Mac that was perfectly usable in your hospital bed, you probably never would have taken the time to like actually play with the iPad and like get into it. And that's kind of that's where I feel like on these apps in general, where it's just like we really you need to give yourself the time to be mad at it 
and then work through it Mm -hmm. uh, rather than just be like, this doesn't immediately fill my workflow needs. I'm going to throw it away without looking at it. My kind of working life would be lost without PDF pen. Um, I create and send a lot of contracts. Uh, I have to amend contracts that people are giving me or have to take a Word document and turn it into a PDF to sign it and send it to someone because who sends Word documents? Why do you do this? But anyway, people do. (laughs) And PDF pen is what I use. I will be lost without it. And I guess... The same goes for workflow. I don't think we need to get into workflow on this show, especially because it's all changing anyway. But just assume that I use it, we all use it and love it and have so many little hacks for how we do things on workflow. And it will come up, but I don't think I need to get into detail of it now. Um, Dropbox is my file system. I use the Dropbox app sometimes. I use the Files app as well. Um, They're both good in certain circumstances. If I'm ever writing anything long form in Markdown, I use Bear because it's nice and easy to use. And I use PCalc on my iPad because one, there's no calendar on the iPad. And two, I really love PCalc because it's very customizable and it has a video game inside of it. So like, what more could you want? Now, Federico, I see in our, in our wonderful Google Docs here, you have, you've entered in a couple of additional applications that you wanted to pull out um, to mention for, for how you run your business. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the Club Mac Stories, the subscription part of the Mac Stories company and the business, um, that's the one that I've been trying to automate as much as possible uh, in terms of dealing with content, with questions that are submitted by members. When we started the newsletter, uh, which is part of Club Mac Stories years ago, I we had no system in place for people to submit questions or to say, um, I have a workflow request for you, or to say, here's my home screen, I think it's interesting, maybe you want to feature your, my home screen. Um, and over time I realized that there was no point in just having people send me a regular email. I wanted to have a system in place where things would be uh, categorized in different sections and people could go to a web page and write the question on uh, on the web and send me. And I would get an email, but I would never see the actual email. The email would be used as a way to uh, basically extract information and put it somewhere else. So the system that we that, that I created is based on Trello, um, which we use a lot for both for Mac stories, for the site, for the editorial side of things. Like uh, we can assign articles to each other. We can keep track of what's coming out in like a couple of weeks or next month. But we especially use Trello for the club um, because every week, uh, so we have this board and every week there's a new... Um, list for the next issue of the newsletter. Uh, And that's on the left side of the board. On the right side are all these different lists for different sections of the club. Um, And these sections could be, uh, you know, app updates, um, reader questions, workflow ideas, workflow requests by people, home screens submitted by people. All of these um, member-created questions are submitted using Google Forms. And Google Forms is this service that allows you to put together a form on the web and people can go to a link and fill in the response or send you a question. Then automation comes into play. Um, We use Zapier to extract the information from Google Forms and send it to Trello. And that's where a couple of years ago, I went crazy for a couple of weeks. I created this system that uses a bunch of Python on Zapier um, to format these questions in Markdown. So it takes the data, um, reformats everything in Markdown, and along with the Markdown info, um, it also 
embeds in the Trello card that is generated by Zapier. It embeds a workflow link that when tapped on the Trello app for iOS, launches workflow with the information pre-filled. So the workflow sees the input and it knows what to do. But more than that, over time I realized, you know, I don't want to do this for every single individual card that I need to open in Trello and tap on a run workflow link. It's just too much work. So I realized what I want to do is I want to move a bunch of cards for sections or people that I'm going to interview for things that are, that will be featured in the next issue. I want to move them into the next issue column. And then I want to have a workflow that says, let me look into the next issue column and let me see what I can do for you. And so there's this workflow that it's called export. And depending on what I choose, it exports um, app debuts for app updates that we want to cover into a Ulysses sheet, um, or it does so with Q&A questions. It does the same with interesting links that we want to write up. Uh, it's a way to batch export and pre-fill Ulysses documents um, in using Trello and Workflow. Also... <laughs> and this is where I kind of want to be crazy again. Um, I put together workflows, which uh, actually I needed to write documentation for my team. Uh, basically, when you start working for Mac Stories, there's a guide that you need to learn <laughs> for all the workflows sure. that you need to install and understand what you got to do. Um, <laughs> We have workflows for the entire team to save uh, data into Trello from the workflow extension on iOS, which I assume will keep working with shortcuts, at least that's a hope. Um, we have workflows that upload files to the MailChimp API for the newsletter so that we can save time from the, in the MailChimp web app. Um, everything, so all the technical parts, at least most of them, that involve the newsletter are automated so that we can focus on just two things, writing the actual content and putting together the template on MailChimp, uh, which is a terrible experience I don't recommend to anybody, but we're stuck using MailChimp and that's what we got to do. Everything else is automated. Whether you're a member, submit a question, it goes, it goes through a script. Uh, whether it's us uh, having to uh, move information from Trello to Ulysses or any other text editor because the, the same system can be adapted to drafts or, I don't know, editorials not around anymore. Uh, but it's flexible enough to, to work with anything else. And so that's how we organize all the questions and requests and ideas. It's really funny. I showed it to Mike uh, last year and it, 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 Mike seemed impressed. It blew my mind. It was it's very it's it's quite a thing to see all these <laughs> applications just spinning around on each other and opening lots of different files. It, it, Federico has built a beautiful house of cards, which is underpinned by workflow. Hopefully, shortcuts in the future. I think all of this stuff, when it comes to this businessy type stuff, you know, when it comes to email and spreadsheets and stuff like that, this is one of the places where the iPad really shines. I think because most of the applications and systems that you would need to use, all the popular ones, they all have presence and they're all pretty good. And the great thing is, once you get into understanding how these items work on iOS, you can truly work from anywhere 
but in a in a maybe a more interesting way than any other way with uh, working on an iPad. Because once you've understood how to work with all of these iOS apps, you can do all of this stuff very easily on your iPhone as well. And that is one of the great things that comes with being very well versed in productivity on iOS is that you then have all of this stuff, all of this knowledge unlocked to you when you're using your iPhone as well as your iPad. The applications will stay in sync. You're used to how everything looks and works because by and large, the applications are pretty much the same. Would you agree with that, Jason? I mean, I do. I try to bring my iPad with me wherever I go um, that I'm anticipating any work being done. But yeah, there are times when you are not hauling around a big tablet somewhere and something happens. And it is really wonderful to have that. I have definitely had that happen um, in a few different scenarios. I remember uh, having to open a, a an SSH window into a Unix server at a bar on my iPhone because I had to fix a bug in one of my websites. And uh, that was super weird, but it and and not ideal. I would rather have uh, more screen space and probably a keyboard. But I was able to do it, and I've done that with photos too, where I've been taking photos in, um, in line for an Apple event, let's say, and I can use my workflow that uploads those photos to my FTP server and resizes them and watermarks them, and use that on my phone just as easily as I could on my iPad. And it's the same workflow I would use to take a picture with an SLR and load that image onto the iPad, and then run that workflow there so um, having it having that stuff available on the iphone is great um in context uh usually you know usually i'm using my iphone for different things but there are those moments where suddenly um i mean like could i theoretically do my job entirely from an iphone i totally could i would prefer not to but i totally could and i think that you know the 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 challenges in this respect is mostly the extra hoops that you jump through from time to time. And it's a thing that you kind of have to accept if you're going to be doing any type of work on an iPad. Sometimes it takes things slightly longer to complete. Sometimes instead of uh, an app having a feature, you maybe just need to get another little utility app, you know? And But once you lock into that mindset, it all opens up to you because the app store ecosystem is so rich. You can basically do anything you maybe just need to use two apps for it instead of one, but that's a perfectly fine way of working. Like, Ren, do you find it to be that way as well? Like, sometimes you just have to get a little utility or something, and it allows you to do the thing that you thought you couldn't do. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it goes back to my earlier statement where it just, you have to experiment a little bit and you have to be willing to understand that, you know, an app may not work one to one, something that you expect. A, for instance, a video editing to, app to do on Mac may not do the same thing on an iPad, but instead you might have a color correction app uh, that is built separately that actually does stuff better than uh, like the process that you use on, say, Final Cut in the Mac. So it's really just about balancing and about being willing to kind of look out of your comfort zone and look for those utilities. Some people might say that that is uh, just trying to make the most of a bad situation. And I would firmly and strongly disagree. I think there's a difference between finding the right tools and the right apps for the right device and saying like, oh, this absolutely has to work the exact same way that I expect it to. You know, um, there are some there are some workflows absolutely where I do like 
20 things to make one thing work. And uh, there's definitely that voice in the back of my head, which is like, this would be much easier on a Mac. And usually that's about the time when I pull out my MacBook Pro and just use my MacBook Pro instead. Like, I, I, I don't know. As I've used iPad over the years, I feel like there's a, there's a distinctive line where you say, you know, some things the iPad is excellent for. Some things the iPad's not great for. And that's okay. You can just mm-hmm. use your Mac. And it's, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So I've in, you've all indulged me with the boring business stuff for long enough. Uh, we should probably talk about something a little bit more creative. So I think we're going to move into what it's like to write, to be a writer using an iPad, which I know obviously my three, well, my, my co-host and my two guest co-hosts today are more than well versed in. But before we do, how about we take a second break? Great idea, Mike. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Boom 3D. When it comes to sound, we all want sharper, louder, and crystal clear audio. Boom 3D is a system-wide volume booster and equalizer app crafted by Global Delight, and does it deliver? It has patent-pending 3D surround sound technology that offers a mind-blowing, immersive virtual surround sound that can be experienced on any headphones, whether you're listening to podcasts, audiobooks, your favorite album, maybe watching a movie. Boom 3D will allow you to really immerse yourself in it. It boosts all your audio and creates the perfect sound profile for your device. It extracts spatial cues from your audio to render them in three dimensions for an immersive experience. Its application volume controller lets you control your volume centrally without opening individual applications. And the controlled boost feature lets you adjust the boost while keeping it in the perfect range. Their player feature also allows you to organize your favorite tracks into playlists and enjoy the sensational studio quality sound right on your Mac. And it's all coming to Windows and Android very soon as well. If you want to convert your Mac into an entertainment powerhouse for music, movies, and games, head to globaldelight.com slash boom and use code UPGRADEFM for 30% off. That's globaldelight.com slash boom and upgrade FM, U-P-G-R-A-D-E-F-M to get the app for just eleven eighty nine. Thanks to Boom 3D for their support of Upgrade. All right, so let's talk about writing setups. Now, Jason, can you talk us through right now your current writing setup? And there is a specific <laughs> reason why I'm going to have you go first. I which one? I have all of them. I have so many different writing setups. Let's talk about your home writing setup with okay. the iPad Pro. All right. I mean, I mentioned the bridge keyboard. Yeah. Generally, if I go somewhere else, whether I'm traveling or, in fact, like just the other day, I went to my Starbucks. That's that's a three minute walk from my house because I wanted to get out of the house and put in some headphones and be in a different environment and 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 write an article on. I do that sometimes, um, and that's all the bridge keyboard. Um, so that's the most common one. But at home, even though I've got a sit stand desk that I'm sitting at right now in my office, oftentimes, especially when it's not the summer of fun, but the other parts of the year when my children are in school, which is uh, fun if you work at home because then you have the house to yourself. So um, I will sometimes work at the counter, basically at the bar top in my kitchen. And I, in that scenario, um, I started out with, I've got a, I've got like a wood iPad stand that I used for a while and a Bluetooth keyboard. And eventually somebody on Twitter actually recommended this iPad Pro. It's an iPad stand from a company called Viazon. I got it on Amazon. It was literally somebody just said, I have this stand and it's pretty good. And it's a, it looks kind of like the foot of an iMac. And then it's got kind of this clampy top that you can kind of, you know, it just clamps onto the sides of the, of the iPad. So it'll fit 
different sized iPads just fine. In fact, I think it comes with two of uh, those clamps and you can choose which one. Mm-hmm. So there's one for smaller devices and one for larger devices. Um, and so now I'm using that. So that that elevates it off of the countertop a little bit. It's a little bit better angle for me. And then I still need an external keyboard. And I for a while I was using... Um, external usb keyboards because i've got you know my little clicky mechanical keyboards um now i'm using a bluetooth keyboard which is the matthias laptop pro um which is a mechanical keyboard that's bluetooth the big problem is that it's very difficult to find a mechanical keyboard because i do prefer that it just feels better i like those keyboards and prefer them if i can manage it and one that is bluetooth and is a Mac keyboard. And the Mac keyboard thing is important because otherwise the command key and the option key are reversed and all of your um, muscle memory for keyboard shortcuts is broken. And that's not fun. So I prefer to have a keyboard that actually has the command key in the right place. And getting that plus mechanical plus wireless is hard. On the Mac, you can remap those keys. On mm-hmm. uh, on the iPad, you can't. So they have to be settable, um, either like set that way or have a switch somewhere that lets you set them in the Mac orientation. So right now, most of the time, I'm using the Matthias Laptop Pro keyboard. Um, sometimes I'll try other USB keyboards there, but it's just more setup because I got to get the USB adapter and a power plug. And then I have to plug those because the most of most of them require enough power that you have to use the external power adapter with lightning in to the USB adapter. And then you've also got, now you've got cables kind of snaking everywhere. And I can do that, but I, it's just easier for me to use the, um, the Matthias. I'm, I'm constantly on a search for a small, another small Mac Bluetooth mechanical keyboards, but there are few, if any, out there. That uh, Matthias Laptop Pro is, uh, it's, not, it's not much of a looker. Yeah, I know. There are people who, who have insulted it, is not. insulted it on Twitter. <laughs> it, is, it is very old school Apple design yeah. in that it's a big, puffy, plastic, silver keyboard. It is uh, with black keys. It is, so it's tall, it's, you know, th- or thick or whatever you want to say. It is not super attractive. Um, and what I would say is, first off, you're being very judgmental about the looks of my keyboard, Mike. I am. Matthias do make very good-looking keyboards as well, though, like in the kind of the more modern style. Why is why is it specifically that you chose this one? It's mechanical and Bluetooth it's mechanical. and Mac. Okay. And that's it. Like, if I, if I wanted a... Uh, a thin aluminum keyboard. I've got the Magic Keyboard, and I've used the Magic Keyboard out in that same configuration, and it's fine, but it's much more pleasant to type on the mechanical keyboard with the you know yeah. with the clicky keys, and so that's what I that's what I prefer. That's what I'm using at my desk, so it's also a little bit less of a transition to do it. But you know, again, yeah, I've got a Magic Keyboard I could use. I got a whole bunch of other keyboards I could use. In the end, I would like a, a sure a, a more attractive keyboard would be. Uh, would be better, but that's not what I've got that fulfills all all of my other needs. Uh, in terms what, of what uh, what switches did you get on this? Uh, it only it's Matthias's switches. It's Matthias makes its okay. own keyboard switches. So this is the Quiet. Uh, I think it's their Quiet uh, keyboard switch. So it's not super loud, but it's a little bit clicky. 
Um, and that's just that's kind of what I have to go for for now. But the the, the nice okay. thing about the iPad is you can use any Bluetooth keyboard with it, and and mm-hmm. so you can find one that works for you. And there are there are many options. The only problem is that if you want a weird keyboard that is made for PCs as well as Macs, like I said, you get this issue where um, on the Mac you just click a couple of of, of uh, settings in the keyboard's uh, system preferences pane, and because Apple knows <laughs> Mac users sometimes use Windows keyboard and it'll flip the command and option it's fine um but the ipad has no such feature so you're kind of stuck if you use a windows keyboard the key um the modifiers will be wrong and i don't like that and in the reason that jason went first federico what is your home writing setup um i have felt the power of the snare zone uh, yes. from afar <laughs> It has reached Europe and Italy, and after many experiments and uh, way too much money spent on cases and keyboards and just everything, I have also adopted the Bridge keyboard and the Viazon, what's the name? Viazon? Viazon? Viazon, maybe. Stand, which I bought from Amazon US. Shipment was kind of expensive, but it, you know, it's very nice. Um, so the way that I work now is uh, if I'm at my desk, uh, by desk I mean kitchen table, uh, <laughs> I, I use the, the, the stand. So the iPad is in, goes into the stand and the bridge keyboard I use in front of the stand ah. uh, because it kind of fits, you know, there's enough space. And I love working with the stand because I don't strain my neck. Right. Uh, so it's been really good for my posture and it just it makes me feel better when, I, when I'm sitting and writing. If I'm not a, if I don't want to use the stand, I can use the bridge keyboard as it was supposed to be used as a as a laptop setup. Uh, so this happens when I'm in. I spend a lot of time um, for various reasons working from my car, uh, at least for a at least for a couple of hours each week. And I find it useful to to have a laptop that is actually an iPad because it's got a cellular connection. Um, so I can work I can work from there with the bridge keyboard. Uh, otherwise, I if I don't want to use the physical keyboard or if I don't need to write, if I just want to use my iPad for like talking with my teammates or just catching up on Twitter or the news or read something or watch HBO, um, which I can do with a VPN, yay technology, um, I use a smart cover just a plain regular smart cover which i have covered in stickers uh mike is really happy about this very happy Uh, happy. so yeah it's the jason snell setup plus stickers i should i should mention about that viazon stand that it rotates of course and um oh yes i i do a lot when i'm writing i do a lot of it in vertical where I've got a very, you know, a nice tall mm. screen. I can see all my st- article text. If I do need to have multiple apps open in split view, I'll, you know, I'll turn it and have it be in, in uh, landscape. But, but I, I have it in portrait in that vertical orientation um, a lot when I'm writing. I tried the vertical thing. Um, I don't know if it's because it, I, I use split view so much, but, or maybe it's something else. I think it's, it's kind of weird. It's to weird me because whenever, whenever, when I'm writing in split view, I feel bad because I see so much screen and it doesn't feel like I've written enough. It's like <laughs> look at this long document. You've never been in, you haven't filled not even half of the page, uh, and so you know the horizontal orientation makes me feel a little better. Mm. Um, but yeah, I see the benefit. I mean, you're you're a faster writer than i am so it's i I, i'm motivated by all that blank space down there Mm, it's like i need to fill mm. that 
Mm, that's a life hack. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, too, have adopted the Jason Snell lifestyle. Have you? Yes. I own a Viazon stand, which I've been using for a couple of months because I was getting some neck pain Mm -hmm. and I was concerned that it might be bad posture when using my iOS devices. So now when I'm at home, I put my my 12.9 in the Viazon stand and I sit either at the kitchen table or at my desk. Um, and I use a, I use a, um, a magic keyboard right now, the, the Apple magic keyboard. I kind of like it. Um, I, I would like something else, but I don't know what I want yet. So like at my Mac, I use the Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. Um, and I'm, I've got my eye out for something which might be similar um, because, you know, I like to try and take care of, of my wrists because I've struggled from my wrists. I mean, just any type of strain, you know, neck strain, wrist strain, elbow, you know, I, all of it. I have suffered with all of it. So the uh, using the Viazon stand has been good for that. I wished it was a little higher, honestly. Yeah. Um, I still find myself looking down a little bit more than I would want. I wished it was was taller than it, than, than it actually is, but it's still vastly better. And I found that if I tilt it backwards a little bit, that can help me. Um, but I do wish it was just a you little know, bit higher. Than I that. think that's one of the reasons why I use it vertically is that I can use it in vertical orientation. I kind of push it up in the, in the yeah. little holder and it gets a little bit higher. But I agree. I would almost want one that was even taller. And I realized that there's some that the foot would probably have to come forward and it might be bigger and i i honestly the viazon stand i'm glad people like it i like it too i ended up there because i couldn't find like an arm like a like a like a mounting arm thing that i could just put on my the edge of my desk so i could just float an ipad which i would probably buy um and i i could probably i think they make visa mounts and then you could buy an arm and that might be a little bit too much a little a bridge too far um but this was this is like an alternative to that yeah what i like about the viazon stand is i don't have to put a case on my ipad to use it right it just clips in and out of the Mm -hmm. stand you know and that works well for me but i'm i'm still kind of thinking about it may be using a different keyboard, but um, I, I'm I'm fine with the Magic Keyboard for now. Uh, Ren, I, have you adopted the Jason Snow lifestyle, or, or are you in a completely different camp? I am in a completely different camp. Completely. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, Jason. That's fine. I do like using stands for my iPad, but I have never used it for writing. Uh, usually, honestly, when I'm writing with my iPad, I'm doing it on the go. I'm doing it in a coffee shop or kind of running around. If I want to write at my home or in my office, I'm usually working on the MacBook Pro uh, just because I have it. I have it there and it's an option. Um, and yeah, when it's when it's ergonomically questionable, uh, I used to use the iPad nonstop, especially with the Create, because I felt like I could perch pretty much anywhere and type on it. And it had a really nice mechanical keyboard feel. Uh, and the new Logitech case on my iPad just does not afford me the same flexibility. So by and large, I find, you know, I found that places where I normally would write with my iPad, which is, you know, for a long time on my couch or like outside, um, I find myself bringing my MacBook Pro a lot more. Um, now, I'm really curious to see if I add the bridge, if that will kind of bring me back to my former lifestyle. But I definitely don't think I'm going to get into the, you know, put your iPad on a desk and type with an external keyboard. Unless we're talking about Astropad, which I feel like is a different discussion for later in this podcast. Mm-hmm. 
So as writers, you all use applications. Jason, can you tell me what writing apps you're gravitating towards right now? Yeah, it changes all the time. Um, uh, Federico mentioned that editorial seems to just kind of be dead. It's a shame because I used it a lot. Um, I'm using OneWriter, which has some macros in it. I don't love it, but it syncs with Dropbox and has Markdown support. And those are the two most important things, I mean, to be honest. Um, I can get by with no other features if it's, it will sync to a specific folder in Dropbox and support Markdown. Uh, maybe give me a little a little bit of uh, you know conversion capabilities from Markdown to HTML, things like that. Um, so because I write in Markdown, so OneWriter is my primary um, tool for writing uh, short stuff. Um, I also have Scrivener. Scrivener is what I use if I'm working on long form stuff, especially um, I wrote all of the all of the uh, unpublished yet to be rewritten novels that I have written are all in Scrivener and uh, and that syncs now right across um, so I can open those in Scrivener on the Mac and on iOS and they all uh, they all work together, which is very nice. But um, most of my writing in iOS is done in one writer at this point, which is, again, you know, there's opportunities for other apps. I've tried drafts. I've tried Ulysses. They are fine. But um, I kind of end up going back to OneWriter only because it's very simple and reliable for me. And those are the most important things when I'm just trying to get the words out. What about you, Federico? So I've been using this sort of split setup, um, been writing in Ulysses and using Ulysses also as my text editor for most of my articles. But the, the, the bigger ones, so my long-form stories, I've been writing them in Ulysses and then moving them onto editorial so that I could use my old editorial and Python workflows for stuff like uh, markdown syntax, stuff like footnotes, or the custom syntax that we use for certain things on the Mac Stories website. But lately, uh, I've been considering moving all my old workflows that I put together something like five or six years ago in editorial, moving them over to drafts five. Um, I've, I've been interested in the new version of drafts, uh, especially because it's got this JavaScript automation that is really interesting to me. I don't know JavaScript well enough. I know the basics and I can, if I can, if I download someone's action, I know kind of my way around modifying the action to do what I need to do. Um, so I've been considering that, especially for the iOS review that I got to write this summer. Maybe I could find a way to take my editorial workflows and make them work in JavaScript or with the features that Drafts has. Also, it's really intriguing to me that Drafts has this concept of tagging notes and creating workspaces, which... If you use OmniFocus, it would be like a custom perspective. So like it's a custom view that shows you just the things you want to see. Uh, so I could have a bunch of different workspaces for whether it's Mac Stories or the iOS review or the club. Um, so yeah, I've been thinking about that. But otherwise, I've been using Ulysses for over a year at this point. Um, and I've been using editorial for the editing. And also I want to mention um, Notes. Apple Notes and DevonThink. I've been using these two for research, uh, for collecting material that I use for writing, uh, stuff like screenshots or PDFs or web links or just notes. But I've been gravitating towards Apple Notes more lately, just because it, every time I use Apple Notes, it feels so much easier and so much faster than DevonThink. Um, it's not as powerful as DevonThink when it comes to indexing stuff or searching for, uh, you know, that exact quote from a PDF using Boolean operators. 
but it gets the job done and i love the way that it shows you links and and attachments um so yeah that's what I use. Uh, I'm not completely satisfied with Ulysses, especially when it comes to Markdown editing, because it does a bunch of weird things to Markdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ulysses has its custom flavor called Markdown XL, which, you know, initially it was okay. And then over time, every time I look at editorial or any other text editor, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember Markdown. <laughs> Playing Markdown, it looks kind of nice. So Drafts 5 would enable me to have that back in addition to automation. So... We'll see how it goes. It's funny. I talked to the uh, to Max at the Solman, the, the developer of yeah. Ulysses at WWDC, and um, really nice guy. And it's a really great app. But it's definitely like I feel like I'm so used to having Markdown be everywhere as Markdown, which like the beauty of Markdown is that it's just plain text. Um, you can literally write it anywhere. I was syncing um, the other day to an Apple Notes. Uh, I was writing in Apple Notes for various weird reasons, and you know I just paste my text in there, and it's fine. It's marked down. It doesn't. Apple Notes doesn't know what it is. It doesn't matter. And the issue that I have with Ulysses, and and Max gets it, but you know Ulysses wants to be Ulysses, and it'll support Markdown, but it it wants to present this kind of like friendly, uh, you know, styled and. Um, if you type links in Markdown, it converts them into these like link tokens that you have yep. to tap on. Yep. <laughs> and like, I get why that's good from a kind of almost Microsoft Word perspective of wanting to keep it simple. But as somebody who writes in Markdown, it's incredibly frustrating because I want it to just sort of be it, knowing it's a link is good. It taking my link and hiding it away. Um, in a little object is not as good. And that's the thing. Um, and I told him about it and he, he seemed to totally get what I was saying and yet also say, well, but this is how Ulysses works and we're not going to change how Ulysses works. And I get that, but it means that I either need to just commit to being a Ulysses user for everything I write and just, which I'm probably not going to do because I'm probably not going to change from like BB edit on my Mac. Um, or I can't really use it because it wants me to work the way it wants to work and that's not to me that's not what the the beauty of writing in markdown is which is that i can use any tool and it'll just yeah. work i kind of come around on the idea of markdown over time so i used to be really into markdown to the point where i was taking notes in markdown and having markdown everywhere i was I, at one point i even used i think on the mac mailmate which is this email client that allows you to write emails in Markdown. So I was super into Markdown. And then when Unisys came around, I was like, yeah, this is so much simpler than Markdown. It, you know, it removes all of the complexity of Markdown and all this ugly syntax that I don't want to see. And then after writing in Unisys for like 18 months, I'm at the point where I look at Markdown and I'm like, yeah, maybe John Gruber had a point. It's just plain text. <laughs> and, and I see all the links and I see all the syntax. This is actually kind of nice. I miss you so much. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Ren, are you firmly in the Markdown app camp? I'm firmly in the Markdown camp, but not so much in Markdown apps. And I'll tell you why. Because um, I think my hesitation goes with everything that we've been saying, uh, where I just, the syncing and, and the frustration of trying to use specific syntax and all of that. Um, I actually have been writing solely in notes for the last huh. year and a half, two what? years. I know, I know. Huh. It's crazy. I've been using a notes with a with um text expander 
keyboard um, for for shortcuts. Uh, and then I also have a sticky, a, a pinned note with with weird things that we need for for my for iMore's various uh, CMS. I love that I'm not the only considered weird one on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Congratulations, Mike. <laughs> I fully recognize that notes is a weird thing to to write in. And I was actually, I used OneWriter for many, many years, except uh, during a beta, I think two or three years ago, uh, I had one writer on my iPad, and I think I think it was iOS the iOS 10 beta, uh, and uh, I lost three articles, and it wasn't one writer's fault at all. I think it was just a iOS beta problem. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was just like, nope, nope, I I'm gonna just rely on re- rely on iCloud syncing now. I can't, I can't. I can't think about that. Uh, so I went to notes um, on a trial basis as a result of that. And after using notes for two or three months during the beta, I realized, actually, this is this is not bad at all. And it syncs so fast between the Mac and iOS. And I know without a doubt that no matter what I'm testing, as long as I have my iCloud, like as long as I'm logged into with iCloud, I don't have to worry that I don't have the app downloaded or that I need to do something else. I can just I can just make it work. So you'll find yourself just you're just writing raw markdown into notes and it's syncing via iCloud. You get it everywhere. Kind of that's how you run things. Yeah, that's it. Federico, what do you think are the, the main benefits for you? Is there anything different? when it comes to writing on the iPad as to writing on the Mac, other than just the portability thing that we've mentioned? One of the things is you get this rich selection of apps. So I think there's a benefit in having text being being shared to a bunch of different places. Like you mentioned, utilities that allow you to do different things uh, in a a native, in, in a visual way. In a way that maybe it's not necessarily possible on, on a Mac. Um, or maybe... I should say it would be possible on a Mac if you used a, a, a single more complex app, something like BB Edit, for example. Um, it's a different mindset in that you can write in one app on the iPad and then you can use the share sheet and um, take your text and move it somewhere else to do something different. So in my case, it would be from Ulysses to editorial, but it would be even stuff like uh, you could use utilities, utilities like uh, clean text, which would allow you to reformat your plain text and fix, you know, weird characters or change, you know, from straight quotes to curly quotes or stuff like that. Um, I think there's a benefit in, in the iOS ecosystem that um, you can move your data between different apps and each each one of them can be a single purpose utility that can process your text and can work in conjunction with the text editor um it could be about you know image uploads uh it could be about mm, turning the markdown to html you could use workflow soon to be shortcuts in the process um i think especially with ios 11 that it's got the files um you know access for apps and you can use the document browser um Apps that use the the files APIs have become even more convenient because now there's a unified way to share these documents and open them in place in different apps, make changes, and save them back to the original without creating copies. So it's a very different way of getting work done from the Mac where you would probably have uh, you know, a single app that allows you to write in Markdown and you would have scripts, you would have the terminal, you would have Automator and all these different more complex and more professional apps. 
on the iPad, I think, and on iOS in general, but even more so on the iPad, uh, with split view and drag and drop and the share sheet and files, it's all, at least from my perspective, it's all about the integration of different apps together. Um, so that, that, which is also why I like it more because it's more fun. It's like, it's like a, a mini puzzle every single time. And it's, you know, it's part of the fun is being able to, to bring these pieces all together in a consistent and reliable way. Um, and it's why I enjoy working on the iPad. It's because the communication between these different apps and it's visual and it's tactile. You can, you can, you can literally move your, touch your documents and move them around. Uh, yeah, it's what I love the most about the iPad besides the portability. I guess one of the one of the biggest things is the idea of moving away from a document model to an app model, right? Like that's yes. one of the biggest differences from the Mac to iOS is instead of having a document that you open mm-hmm. in applications, you have an app that you open and then maybe you bring in an app, a document from somewhere else, but the place that you're starting at is fundamentally different. And, and I assume that this is one of the things that trips a lot of people up when they're trying to make that switch. It's like, where's the file systems? Like, and then you, you're okay, like there is one now but you still don't really need to think of it that way right has that changed for any of you do any of you tend to start work in files and then go out to any apps (laughs) take that as a no 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 No. i I will be i will use files there are times when files becomes really useful for me um but it's generally to grab a file that is existing in a store somewhere so like in ferrite if i'm editing a podcast and i need to put in the logo of that podcast for the mp3 export i will pop open files in a a slide over and i'll navigate in my usually in my dropbox but sometimes it's in icloud drive to where that image is and then drag and drop it into the into the window in ferrite but that's an example where i'm retrieving something from a file store somewhere i'm not starting with the file as the as the launch point of like i oh i need to open that file because if i know if i've got a file in excel or a file in you know anything that that is a file-based app i always go to the app and then bring in the files and jason i wanted to ask you what do you consider some of the biggest challenges for the way that you do your writing work on iOS compared to on the Mac? Um, well, you know, one of them is um, is text editing. As as nice as it is that um, Apple added this text editing cursor in uh, iOS 10, I think, um, where you can put two fingers down and uh and move on the screen and then move around and it actually moves the text selection around if you're using an external keyboard it's not great it's okay but it's not great and i would i I actually would be a more productive writer if i could in addition to my bluetooth keyboard have a bluetooth pointing device that i could use to edit text because it's nice to have a pointing device when you need to uh, do text selection and not have to move your hand up. And, and that's one of those cases where I, I agree that having a, uh, having a, a device that's down where my hands are is going to be more um, natural than reaching out and touching the screen because it doesn't feel quite natural to do that kind of text selection stuff. Um, I, um, 
you know, I would like multiple windows at once. One of the things that I think comes up a lot when we're talking about iPad productivity is it would really be nice if Apple just had a way for all apps to say we support multiple windows. And uh, so you can have sort of like multiple. It's not necessarily multiple instantiations of the same app, although it could be viewed that way. But the idea that in a, if I have a text editor and I want to have two windows side by side of that text editor, that I could do that. And so I end up doing a lot of things that are cheating. And I'm sure Federico and Rand have both done this too, where it's like, I have one writer on one side and I have uh, notes on the other side. And like, that's kind of dumb. I do this with web browsers. <laughs> uh, sometimes I have Chrome and Safari open well, side Safari, by side. Well, Safari, you can actually do side by side. Yeah. That's the thing. And I do use Safari yeah. side by side, but like, I'd like all apps to be able to do that. So that can be, that can be a slowdown. It's ironically, like if I'm writing and I'm doing a lot of research and I've got a, a split view with Safari on one side and my text editor on the other, that works great. But if I'm trying to look at two different documents, I often will have to copy and paste the text of a document into an alternative like notes just so that I can have them next to each other. And that's a place where it really stands in the way. I think keyboard support needs to be better. Apps are better at keyboard support than they used to be, but there are lots of bugs there. I have the one that is that happens really commonly, which is when I'm command tabbing between apps and I let go um, and I go into the new app. Sometimes one of the modifier keys, the system thinks is still active and so oh then, my god yes. right and you try to type something and it tries to do the keyboard shortcut so instead or you use the arrow yeah, key to go yeah, up one line yeah. and it takes you to the top of the document and that's just a bug I, I don't know if it'll be fixed in ios 12 or not everybody file your radars but like that's one of those things that's like it's great that the keyboard is there it's not 100 percent there it's like 96 percent there and that four percent is really frustrating so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on um that that could be it could be better and some of it doesn't require like major overhauls um but you know there so there are still places where where there are impediments i would say one of the things that i do love even with split view and slide over and one of the reasons i do like writing on my ipad is that it does feel very single purpose in a way that the mac doesn't that i do like being able to focus in a way that i could do on my mac but for some reason i don't like the mac is is meant to be super flexible and have a bunch of windows open and all of that and there is something nice about being able to say i'm just going to focus on writing my article when i'm when i'm writing on the ipad and that 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 is a positive thing about it that i like but yeah um i i i wish there was some more um i wish there was some more stuff in terms of windowing and and fixing some of the keyboard bugs and things like yeah, that. i agree completely all right we should move into art and creativity uh, but before we do that let's take a very quick break This very special episode of Upgrade is also brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to start a podcast ever. You can record a high-quality podcast, host unlimited episodes, and distribute everywhere simultaneously worldwide with just a single click, and it's completely free. Anchor's app has some of the most innovative features around. You can get voice messages from your listeners and integrate them into your show. You can simply transcribe segments, turning them into videos you can share. You can add audio transitions and background tracks, and they feature detailed analytics so you can see how many people are checking out your show. Plus, they've just rolled out the ability to record with up to seven friends anywhere in the world. Great for panels. Their audio quality is very, very good. High bitrate stereo sound, so your episode will sound great. And for everybody out there who's joining us in the realm of the iPad content creator, you got to check out the Anchor iPad app. It's got easy editing tools, multitasking support. You can drag audio in from other apps. It's all there. It's a really good iPad app. So go to anchor.fm slash 
upgrade and find out much more about what Anchor can do for your new podcast. And if you sign up there, your show could be featured by us in a future ad. That's anchor.fm slash upgrade. Go there now. Start your podcasting journey today. Thank you to Anchor for supporting Upgrade and for giving aspiring podcasters an easy way to get started. All right. So, Serenity, can you tell me about some of the applications that you use for art, creativity, drawing, video? I know that you have made some incredible uh, – I mean, you, you do some incredible illustrations. Everyone I know that's listening to the show right now is thinking of your iPad review that you made. <laughs> uh, that just a wonderful thing that was made all on iOS. So, I would love to know about some of the applications that you've come across that allow you to express yourself creatively on the iPad. Absolutely. Um, well, why don't we talk about drawing first? Because I feel like that's the that's kind of the genesis of why I started messing around on iPad. Um mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a ton of really great drawing apps uh, for iPad and more kind of have evolved. The one that I'm currently using right now is Linea uh, by the Icon Factory folks, and it is amazing. Um, Linea, what I really appreciate about Linea is that it's an app that really focuses first and foremost on just you expressing simple line work um, on and there's not like there it's not a huge learning curve to kind of figure out how to make it work um, you just kind of take your pencil or your third party stylus or your Logitech crayon um, if that you just found one of those that just came out for students uh, and you just put pen or stylus to to digital paper and just start drawing and Linea has some really good options uh, for people who don't really know where to start too right because they have the preset color palettes uh, so if you're not feeling so great about your color mixtures you can kind of get an idea from designers who have thought very hard about how these four shades of blue should interact with each other um, and then as you get more comfortable Linea also offers all of these advanced uh, tools that again they don't really creep into the app itself uh, but they really do offer a lot of like extra functionality includes things like uh, linea offers uh, storyboarding things and um, and ui design so it has little miniature uh, iphones that you can draw two up and four up of ui screens on they have blueprint paper they have black construction paper backgrounds which just it just allows you to experiment with different things if you're a casual artist but if you actually do this kind of stuff for your work it really does give you an additional uh, an additional surface to kind of brainstorm which i really love and i also like how everything's organized into kind of little miniature projects uh so and they're they're very easily flippable uh one of the reasons that the ipad review video that I did even existed is because when Linea first came out about six months prior, or I guess no, close to a year at that point, um, I wanted to figure out a good way to review it and really explain why it was better than like paper, which was kind of the current reigning champion of like simple note to or simple drawing app. Uh, and I did uh, I, the iPad screen recording and I just screen recorded uh, it's kind of a pseudo, a pseudo, uh, like walk through with a cartoon version of me showing off all of Linea's tools. Um, and that really, not only did that really give me a sense of like how Linea worked, but it also gave me a really good I- idea and understanding of how I could put together a video and in, in a pseudo animated video on the iPad without necessarily proper animation software. Um, it's worth noting as a side note, there is no proper animation software on the iPad. There are some things that like sort of work, like um, 
Keynote and Pages has some options. And like there's stuff like Animation Desk, which is not terrible. But I really like if there is one thing that I'm wishing for on the creativity side, it's that someone comes out with an amazing stop or not stop motion, but like uh, animated animation app that really allows you to do keyframes and, and, you know, tweeners and all of the above. Cause that's like animation, something that I've always wanted to learn. And I feel like all of the programs are really frustrating. Well, can I ask like about the idea of an animation app? What, what does that look like for you? Like what of the features that you're looking for from an application it doesn't seem to exist right now yeah well the i think it's not so much like the features basically exist in animation desk um which might be called something else now because i know it got bought but it's essentially i want a canvas with with good tools right now uh, all of the animation apps really kind of require that you draw inside those apps and their tools are frequently not nearly as good as say the tools that you might find in procreate or even linea or even the notes app has a better pencil app than some of these animation Mm -hmm. programs um and then in addition to that like a lot of these apps do have the technical functionality uh but it's like what we've talked about um with other you know with other writing apps but also with other art related apps where it's sometimes an app can have all of the tools in the world and just be really difficult to use like affinity photo for me is one of those apps where i feel like affinity photo is incredibly powerful um it's kind of like photoshop for your ipad and it's 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 an incredible program but the ui just doesn't make sense to me it just doesn't Mm -hmm. like i i've i have tried i've spent weeks trying to get myself comfortable with that app and i always go back to procreate even though procreate is in some way is less, you know, less full featured um, in very specific areas than uh, than a video photo, and that's kind of how I feel with the animation, uh, the animation stuff too. Where there's, you know, Animation Desk allows you to do a whole bunch, but I think about, you know, I think about Hype on the Mac, which Hype isn't even really an animation program. Hype is an HTML5, you know, website designer really, but people have used it a lot for animated things on. Um, on uh, the Mac for Safari and stuff like that. And I was making constantly I was making animations and hype uh, on my Mac because I thought it was just it was such a it was such a fun thing to do. And I would draw, you know, I would draw stuff either on my iPad or I would draw stuff in Photoshop with my Wacom tablet. And then I'd import it into hype um, and like move all of these pieces around and, and animate all of these things. And that was really cool. So I don't know, maybe I'm like maybe just I'm secretly hoping that, you know, uh, hype decides to take up making an, iP- an iPad app. Uh, because I'm sure someone would buy that for a hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I would. I certainly would. Um, animation aside, um, I wanted to. I do want to talk a little bit more about like the other art programs. I mentioned Affinity Photo, which again is great. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, Pixelmator, which I use pretty much every day for my work. Um, Pixelmator, if you don't know it, is a photo editing uh, program that has some some really great filter stuff. But primarily, I use Pixelmator for one reason and one reason only, and it's that their repair tool is excellent. So uh, what I'll usually do is I'll take photos either on my iPhone 10 or on my camera 
camera uh, and I'll just airdrop them to Pixelmator uh, so that I can on my iPad so that I can fix like uh, a blemish here and there or just like repair. Oh, there's a lot of dust on that iPhone screen. I feel like half of the Photoshop touch up work that I do in uh, in Pixelmator and just for the job in general is like cleaning up dust on on iPad screens that doesn't show up before you take the photo. But oh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great job, but someone has to do it. Uh, so that's a, I, I do think there are a lot of other really awesome features that Pixelmator has, and especially when it connected to Pixelmator Pro on the, and the Mac, which is really nice. I love the fact that, um, it offers complete handoff functionality. So you can start working on something on Pixelmator on iPad and just send it straight to the Mac. If you want to do some more work after that, uh, you can also, what I'll do sometimes is I'll start it on the Mac, on the iPad, and then I will pull it up on the Mac so that I can then save it on the Mac and then upload it directly to to our cms um procreate is probably the like the heavyweight champion of the art world at least on the ipad it's an incredibly full-featured program um that offers you know you can i did most of my wedding prep inside procreate and i had half of half of the people who i commissioned to make these you know we had these little uh, space themed tourist postcards that were done for my wedding and over half of them were designed drawn and finished in procreate uh, which which is a pretty like a pretty great test of just how full featured the app can be. Uh, I was going to say about Pixelmator actually. I've been using that a ton recently on my iPad and I like to make um, thumbnails for YouTube videos. Mm. And once you kind of start looking into it, like the tools are so good. Like oh, the yeah. color selection tools and stuff like that. Like again, it, it's a little bit more cumbersome to use than on the Mac because you have to like tap a bunch of things to get the tools that you want sometimes. But I can't believe how powerful Pixelmator on iOS is. Like, it really is surprising. Yeah, it's they they went out of their way. They were one of the first apps that I really noticed, like pulling out the big guns on the iPad, even before, you know, I do you remember the very first iPad Pro demonstration where they're like, and Pixelmators come out with a new app here. Let's show how you can make 3D waves and like uh, completely yeah. repair a picture in milliseconds. And I just remember looking at that and like having them disappear, I think, a, like a g- giraffe or something from a scene. And it took, you know, f- two seconds for it to render and disappear where on my Mac, it would spin and spin and spin. And mm-hmm. I just remember my jaw dropping being like, I need that. I need that in my life right now. And then I got it and it was great. Um, so going back to procreate, uh, like Pixelmator, procreate is excellent. Um, kind of top of its field for a long time. And this is worth kind of a sidebar for a long time. It was very frustrating to do art on the iPad, um, for as a professional, as an as a amateur artist, between the third party styluses and then later the pencil, doing amateur art was great. Doing starter art was great, but you would hit a wall at a certain point um, because of the way that Apple and iOS functioned with um, with these canvases. For a while, Procreate, because of RAM restrictions, was limited to only a certain size canvas and only a certain number of layers. And uh, if you've ever met a professional designer, they basically want unlimited layers they always want limited layers and if you go to them and like oh yeah you can only have 12 layers they'll try and burn something uh so with with pixelmator you know i think the biggest challenge that i ran into up until ios 10 was that pixelmator wouldn't let you import photoshop files 
You could save things as Photoshop files, but it wouldn't let you pull in existing content. So perhaps what I what I always thought of is the biggest use case for the iPad when when it comes to design work, which is, oh, I've been working on this crazy thing on my Mac and I want to do some tweaks, but I'm stuck in a car or like I have to run out and I'm not going to be next to my big gigantic system. Oh, I'll just throw it on my iPad and I'll open it there and I'll do some work on the train Um, until last year. That really wasn't an option. It just uh, the there there was no import functionality. And then iOS 10 was released and really changed the game in terms of what Pixelmator was able to offer. And you can now import uh, Photoshop files. And it just it makes the it makes it a lot more powerful of a tool Mm -hmm. for for professional illustrators. And it also you can import all of these brushes, right? You can create these brushes and there's now like basically an not even an official store. There's just there are tons of Etsy marketplaces that just sell all of these beautiful custom Procreate brushes. I must have bought like 50 bucks worth of lettering brushes for my uh for my wedding. Like it's it's an amazing app. And these all work on iOS too, these brushes? Uh yes. That's really cool. I didn't know yeah. that. That's really really cool. Oh yeah, the the Procreate brush, like that's the one thing that made Procreate stand out from all the other apps very early on is they are essentially like, hey, you know all of your millions of Photoshop brushes? Well, we don't support the Photoshop brushes, but you can hand create any brush you like on Procreate. It's just, you know, if you take enough time, you can make it happen. I know um Jessie Char, uh, when, when uh, she was kind of first playing around with the iPad, she spent, I think... Uh, a couple days in Procreate and she made makeup tutorial brushes. So she made brushes that like imitated precisely the kind of lipstick that she used and the kind of eyeshadow, you know, that, that would result from her using basic brushes. And then she used it to like overlay on photos so that she could see, Oh, this is how this makeup design might work. And this, you know, there's lots of cool stuff like that. Um, the app store recently had a, a really cool feature from, I think, the the woman who does the costumes for The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and she was talking about an app that she used uh, for, I can't remember the name of it right now, but she was using an app essentially to do costume design, which is, again, something that I never really even thought of. But now that I'm, now that I read about it, I was just like, yeah, of course, this is the perfect thing for costume design, especially with AR and the camera and everything else is just, there are a lot of options there. Uh, there are also uh, vector related art. There's things like Bez, things like Vectornator, things like um, uh, I think Affinity has Affinity Designer, which is a vector program. There's just a lot of really cool stuff. But the all of that to say that I think when I talk about art on the iPad and why I think it's really special, Linea is the this is the thing that allows everybody to touch it. But then there's another app that I feel like does not get enough credit uh, in that it just completely, it, it does what I've been talking about for years, which is the thought of like the right device for the right space. And you use your Mac when you need your Mac and you use your iPad when you need your iPad. But sometimes wouldn't it be great if you used both? Uh, and that app is Astropad and they have both Mm. Astropad standard and Astropad studio. Uh, and Astropad essentially mirrors or extends your display. If you have their little Luna display toggle, um, of your Mac and provides basically latency-free drawing and interaction with any Mac app that you open. Full pressure sensitivity on the pencil. So you can hook up, and I, I would do this frequently, you can hook up Astropad Studio to Photoshop or to your, you know, Mac 
processor of choice. Um, and you don't even have to connect the iPad to a computer. You can do this wirelessly and you can sit and draw on the iPad and be working in a Photoshop document or be working in your animation software of choice. Um, and it, it really, it, it takes the RAM limitations and everything else out of the iPad Pro equation and just says, Hey, you really like how the pencil interacts with your iPad. You really like latency free drawing and, and the shading and all of that. We have done the, the background work to make all of that work so that you can just connect it to your Mac and go hog wild. It's, it's an amazing program. It's like, I, I get kind of blown away every time the guys behind Astropad show me the next iteration, just because I think like the stuff that they're doing is so smart and like, <laughs> I don't know. I look at that and I'm like, when I'm debating between like, oh, I want a Wacom Cintiq or I want an iPad Pro that I can turn into a Wacom Cintiq at any time with this piece of software, I think I'm always going to go with the latter because it's just the iPad is so much more flexible. Federico, I know that you had some thoughts around um, the looking at podcasting on iOS, but not necessarily from the recording part, but everything else that goes into it. Uh, you know, from a creative perspective, I cannot do <laughs> any of the stuff that Serenity does. Uh, so I feel like, um, you know, from an artistic point of view, what she does is amazing. Um, like the, the iPad review that she did was just incredible. Um, still, uh, I mean, you and I, we put together podcasts on a weekly basis. So that's also a creative task. Um that we need to get done on the iPad. And I think especially for, um, you know, thinking of ideas for topics to this, to, to talk about, or, you know, even just stupid jokes that we may share on, on various shows that we have. Um, I think it's important to, to be able to save these ideas and to give them structure. And honestly, uh, I've tried so many note taking apps, uh, on, on, on iOS, um, over the years, we started with the Markdown note-taking apps from a few years ago. And then, you know, these days we have stuff like Bear, for example. Uh, but honestly, I just love Apple Notes. Um, it works so, so well for me in terms of uh, giving me the tools to create an outline in rich text, which is something that I would have never imagined doing until a few years ago. Um but it works so well and it works with the keyboard on the iPad. So you got keyboard shortcuts if you want to have sections in a note. And the fact that you can save multiple types of media within the same note, it allows me to have these outlines for the shows that, I, that I'm working on uh, that combine text and lists and images and screenshots that I take on the iPad and that, that I can drag and drop into a note, um, links that I can save with the notes extension. Um, it, you know, putting together the show notes for the podcasts that I'm on, on a weekly basis, I'm doing that with notes and it works extremely well because it, like I said, it's a combination of multiple forms of media and text content in the same mm -hmm. note. And also what I like is that notes has a sharing feature, but I share notes with myself 
Um, you can do so by hitting the, the collaborative icon in notes and it'll bring up a share sheet. Um, you don't actually need to share a note with anybody. You can just copy link and you can just hit the copy link button twice without even entering your own email address and you will get an iCloud.com link for the note. And what I do is I copy this link and I use it as a launcher. So in my task manager, I have a task that says prepare connected show notes and there's a link to the note and I can open the note with it just by tapping on the link in my task manager. Um, and like I said, the the ability to have multiple types of data items in a note. I think it's amazing and it's something that it wouldn't be possible with Markdown because it's just plain text. Um, and I wish that actually Apple went a little bit further than that and allowed us, allowed us to share, to save, for example, tweets from from either the Twitter app or Twitter clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, if you save a tweet into a note, because you know we we use tweets as a sort of a listener feedback and all that. But if you save a tweet, you'll just get this Twitter.com bubble in a note. Whereas I would love to add the messages style um, tweet expansion within notes. Um, so yeah, it's just a little thought about being able to use notes uh, as a as a creative tool when putting together a, a show and having an outline and having you know content to talk about and different sections. I think it works really well from that point of view. Yeah, I agree. So I do all these same things, right? Like we have all the notes stuff, and I collect all of my links every week in Apple Notes and flesh them out before dropping them into Google Docs, where the collaboration begins. I think as well, like one thing that we have kind of haven't really mentioned is it was kind of funny the ipad is a screen like that's what it is and especially when it comes to the creative stuff the quality of the ipad screen especially in the ipad pro is such an important part right like the the color and the 120 hertz stuff like i find that to just make the screen that i'm tapping and interacting with every day just more and more of a joy to use right like i i I love it more because of just that it's like it's it's wonderful oh for sure i think that's it's uh it's definitely i i'd hate to say it's underrated because i don't think it's underrated but when you think about the ipad it's easily forgotten yeah especially the the 10.5 inch and promotion like promotion from um for those who have already forgotten and it's quite a few is apple's marketing term for the fact that they do a dynamic 120 hertz refresh uh which to non-techies out there what that essentially means is that Apple is dynamically and smartly speeding up or slowing down the screen fre- refresh rate, depending on what you're looking at. Uh, so the, the best way I can describe this is like, say you go into a movie theater, right? And you're watching a movie on a, you know, and it's, it's supposed to be displayed at a certain frame rate. Uh, occasionally, if you're watching like motion smoothing on a, on a TV, uh, you can see like, oh, why does that movie look like it's suddenly in a sports program or like a reality TV show? right you've ever you've you've all seen that um what promotion allows apple to do is say okay we have a screen that can refresh up to 120 hertz but we realize that like not everything in our content is going to require up to 120 hertz refresh so we are going to dynamically say okay we want the pencil movement to refresh to 120 hertz so it just makes it feel like when you're drawing it's crazy fast uh but if you're playing a movie in picture in picture or even in split screen, uh, we're going to simultaneously take those pixels and slow those pixels down, uh, those the refresh on those pixels. So 
that you still get what looks like a normal movie while you're drawing. And it's a, it's, it's a really cool thing. For, like, it's a really cool technical demo. Most people, they just see it and they're like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't you be able to do that? And the answer is because if you do it on anything else, it looks wrong. It looks so wrong. Mm-hmm. And Apple, like, Apple being able to accomplish this is just, it's such a cool thing. So, Jason, do you feel like we've done a good job today with expressing why we love to use the iPad for work? This is a blockbuster episode that I think gets it across. Um, I feel like um, at points, we, we talked a lot about what we do. Um, at points, we talked about why. I think Federico did a good job there, and Serenity's talked about it. The only other thing I would throw in is that the reason that I've kind of abandoned using a Mac laptop is because as a, as a device, uh, the iPad has become essential to me. I can't imagine traveling without my iPad because I'm going to use my iPad as I do around the house most of the time to look at email, look at Twitter, look at Slack, uh, browse the web, do you watch video, do all of these things that I, I really enjoy using on the uh, doing on the iPad and I, I would want to do them somewhere else. And so I'm always going to bring my iPad with me, which is why when it gets to the point where I'm traveling or I'm roaming around somewhere and I think about bringing my laptop with me, I think, well, I'm going to bring my iPad. There's not a question. Do I also want to bring a laptop? And that was the thing that made me stop bringing my laptop and just wanting to use the iPad because the iPad can can do both of those things, but I can't tear the screen off my laptop if I hope to use it ever again. And uh, so I'm always going to bring the iPad. So I decided if I'm only going to bring one, it's going to be the iPad. So that's, that's my last reason. But I think there are plenty of reasons and uh, there are quirks and uh, it's not for every Everybody, but I hope this episode has given people a lot of detail about why uh, why we do what we do and what we're doing when we're working and uh, using our iPads. And of course, we couldn't have done this episode today without our wonderful guests. So I want to thank Serenity Colwell. She is at Seton, S-E-T-T-E-R-N on Twitter. And Federico Vitici, he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Uh, Federico's at MacStories.net and AppStories.net, and he is the host of a lot of shows on Relay FM, Canvas, Connected, Remaster. Um, you can find his lovely, dulcet, beautiful Italian tones <laughs> there too. Uh, Jason is at Jason L, J S N E L L. Jason is the host of even more Relay FM shows. I can't even. No. I just can't even. Uh, lots of them. All the great shows. All the great in fact. shows. And also over at theincomparable.com. And he is over at sixcolors.com as well. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. Thank you so much for listening to another Summer of Summer Fun, fun. bonus episode for you. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Arrivederci.